Let's take a look here in Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, they shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now real quick, I love Simon Bar-Jonah, okay? Uh, it's his old name that was mentioned to bring in this distinction to be made between who he was by nature and what he was by the grace of God because you guys know that God, Jesus, changed his name to Peter, right? So Peter, verse 18 the Greek word Petros, little stone, a piece of rock from a big rock, okay, the son of a dove or Jonah, that's what Jonah means, uh, becomes this rock man, okay? Uh, church Ecclesia um, is called out here to gather people who have been called forth. So this is the first occurrence in the New Testament that this word Ecclesia comes up, or church. There's 114 mentions of Ecclesia church throughout the New Testament, okay? 90 of them speak to the local church, gathering what we're doing here this morning. There are some Christians who say, I don't need to go to church. Well, why would God address the, and emphasize the importance of local fellowship? Why would he do that if it's not important and if it's not needed? Okay, don't deceive yourselves, guys. Don't forsake the gathering together is the manner of some because of the deceitfulness of sin. We need one another, guys. We need to be in fellowship. So, um, so there's a bunch of references to the church, but this one's speaking to the whole church. First mention of the church in the New Testament. You see, God is the builder. Peter and the apostles, they make up the first source of stone in the great temple of the church. And this, of course, rests in our eternal rock. And who's our eternal rock, guys? Jesus Christ. Okay? You can jot down Hebrews eleven ten. For he, he was speaking of Abraham, waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker are God. And then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, For there's no other foundation that can be laid, okay, that can lay, then which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Guys, he is it. He is the foundation of the church. He's the head of the church. Um, did Peter see himself as the head rock? Did he? No. Let's turn to 1 Peter together. And we'll see what he said. There's some wonderful instruction given to us here from Peter. In his first letter, we'll look at chapter 2, the first eight verses together, and we'll see what he has to say. Because some people within Christendom have made Peter out to be more than what God said he was and what the Scriptures said he was or what he himself even said he was. So let's take a look here at verse 1 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Therefore lay aside all malice, all deceit, 
hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, okay, that they may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, we grow in the word. That's why the word of God is so good for us as believers. And then he tells us in verse four, coming to him as to a living stone, coming to who? To Jesus as this living stone, he being rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, now it's not speaking to believers, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, he has become the chief cornerstone in the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, they stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. So really being one, this is what we are. We're just kind of like cinder blocks, part of uh, the, the, the wall, this great church wall. And aren't you thankful that you have a firm foundation in Jesus? I sure am. Guys, that is our hope. And he is sure, he is trustworthy. Okay? He is our rock rather than just a mere man. I feel bad for people that put trust in just a mere man. Okay? None of us are perfect. None of us have all the right answers. We're all fallible. We all fall at times. Okay? Our foundation as the church is in Christ. Period. My heart breaks when I see a church, well, <laughs> we're falling apart. It's all over. Saw our pastor, he committed adultery. How can I trust Jesus anymore because this man did a sinful thing? Have you guys seen that happen or am I the only one that's seen that's happened to churches? Yeah, I don't know if I can believe anymore because of a person. Where does that come from, guys? So, back to what Jesus is emphasizing here. It's built upon him, okay? Not a merely man. This is what Peter himself is saying. So who is the head of the church? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, speaking of Jesus, right? And gave him to be head of the church over all. So, back to Matthew. Let's talk about the gates of hell. Have you guys ever heard that term before? Scary place to be, I think. Gates of hell. Um, Hades shall not prevail against it, we're told here. So against who or what? Well, his church, his bride, right? The new Jerusalem. Uh, this was no house made with straw nor wood, but of what, guys? Stone. Are you reading the same text I am? This is solid stuff. I hope you're getting it. It's made of stone. The wolf Satan, okay, <laughs> there's not going to be any huffing and puffing that's going to be able to blow down Jesus' house. Do you guys get that? Because it was founded upon him, a rock, and it's built with the stone, which is the church. So, verse 19, he talks about the keys of the kingdom. Do you guys remember getting your first set of keys? Oh, I can finally go drive without them. It's going to be the best. Oh, man. 
It was so much fun. I got the keys. Let's go. Anyways, I think speaking biblically, a key, or really, it's a badge of authority. He who has the key has authority. Okay? Much kind of like my church keys or my car keys. You know, hey, I got a key to get inside this building. I have a key to start my car, right? So keys are not mentioned in everyday sense um, of use anywhere in the New Testament. So this is kind of very unique that it comes up here. The term is always used in a figurative sense. A common view in the ancient world was that heaven is closed off by doors. And on the common ancient view of what would be the underworld or hell, too, it was barred by these gates. So Peter doesn't own the keys to heaven's gates. That's not what it's saying, as we would use keys to open doors. But Peter had the privilege to open the first, the door of faith to the Jews at Pentecost. Have you guys read the book of Acts chapter 2? Remember Peter who had just denied Jesus three times? Now Christ is resurrected from the dead. Jesus told his boys, hey, I'm going to send you on a mission. You guys wait, okay, for power to come from on high to empower you to go and be witnesses, right? to the entire world. And that happened on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then if you read a little farther in the book of Acts, we see in chapter 5 that Peter shut out Annas and Sapphira, right? And then he went to the Samaritans in Acts 8.14. And then the first door was opened to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. So that's what Peter got to do with the gospel. So remember, we aren't to set up doors, but to open and shut them. That's all we're called to do. So Acts chapter 1 through chapter 12, okay, we see this play out, okay? And this wasn't just limited to Peter. You guys can actually jump over. I think it's uh, chapter 18, verse 18, okay? Because I've seen people use this text that we're in here in chapter 16 to really make a, a move to say, no, Peter does have this authority, Okay, there's a bunch, there's a, there's a billion of them upon this planet that are really gung-ho about their popes and the authority that they have. And I love it because it wasn't just Peter. They look at Peter as the first pope. But in chapter 18, verse 18, this was given to all his disciples, all the apostles that were going out into the world to have this same authority that he had just spoken to Peter in chapter 16. So Peter, neither in the Gospels nor in the first half of the book of Acts nor in his two epistles ever claimed to be more than an apostle, right? We see that, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The end of the letter, he's, I'm just a fellow elder, okay? Uh, and then if you open up his second letter, he's, he knows he's about to be crucified for his faith in his Lord and Savior Jesus. And he writes that letter, hey, I'm... Peter the bondservant, a doulos. You know, and I think that's key as we mature and grow in the Lord. We should see that. We should be coming more like Jesus, right? Am I correct? And didn't Jesus come to save, to serve, right? So that's what we should be about. And it's neat, I think, just to note that digression. But I also want to note that the authority in the early church uh, was James in Jerusalem. You guys can look at Acts chapter 15. Um, we won't th do it this morning. But the whole binding and loosing thing, uh, it's a very familiar phrase to the Jewish people, which really meant uh, forbidding or permitting. That's all it meant to them. 
So the syntax is really important here. This is a construction of the future perfect passive paraphratic transitive. Um, it's, it really should say we have been bound and will have been loose. So it is the church on earth caring, caring about heaven's decisions. It's not, guys, heaven ratifying what the church decides. And aren't you guys glad for that? I sure am. The UMC had a huge meeting this last week down in St. Louis. And if the votes went one way, hey, we as the church are going to tell heaven that God, you're wrong up there. This is actually how marriage looks. It doesn't matter what you say because we, the church, have changed our mind and we're going to tell, that's just wrong. Do you guys know that? So let us be all those that go back to what he has said and trust in what he has said, despite what progressive things may be happening, especially here in the church in the West. We're not going to talk about that. I want to talk about Jesus. Okay, people need to know Jesus. Have you guys given, guys understand we have this. We have this blessing that we get to share with others. Have you guys given others God's pin number lately? <laughs> I hope so. I'm hoping you're sharing that with others. This is the key, guys. This is it. You need to know Jesus Christ. That's what life is all about. That's what you've been created for, is to glorify God. And you can't do that unless you've been made right before him. And you can't do that unless you accept Jesus Christ. So I hope you guys have been sharing. Verse 20. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So we are under no such embargo, guys. We get to tell everyone. You understand this? This was for a specific time just for them. So we get to go and we get to tell all. Do you understand that? We get to tell all that Jesus is the anointed one, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the living Son of God, that he is God himself. So, Peter's right answer, right? You are the Christ, Savior of the world. Let's look at uh, verse 21. Now we're going to see Peter's wrong answer. From that time, you guys can underline that. We're going to come back to it. It said, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So this verse 21, from that time, this indicates for you and I that this is a new stage. Okay, Jesus looked at his iPhone watch that just vibrated and said, Hey! It's time! It's time to go, okay? We're changing gears here. This was his first clear statement of death that we find in the Gospels. So the cross had always casted a shadow over the Lord's path. Did you guys notice the must there? You can circle that word too. This must happen. It's going to happen. So in verse 22, you know, we have Peter, this shall not happen to you, okay? Peter's telling God, What's going to happen? 
Oops. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, a heart plead is earnest upon hearing such a horror-stricken idea is just natural for us, right? You know, think about it. But literally, this should say, may God be gracious unto you, or may God spare you of this, is really what Peter was saying. But I want you to think about this. How would you respond if you first heard of a spouse, or maybe your best friend was terminal, and that they were going to die within a month? How would you react? Oh, that can't be. No way. This can't happen. Right? How would we react? So I think Peter was probably in that frame of mind. So Peter heard and spoke from God, the Father, in verse 17. And then only five verses later, he heard and spoke from who? Satan. Wait a minute. I thought this was Peter, the rock. Really? Guys, can we admit that we do the same today? I can. Oh, not you, Pastor. Oh, come hang out with me for a while. <laughs> You'll see it happen. Okay? But I think it's good to be honest. And I want you guys to note the voice that says, spare yourself or ourselves. It's often Satan's. It's often Satan speaking. See, self-pleasing ends in destruction. Whereas self-denial and self-sacrifice are the path of divine life. So be cautious of the voice from a friend or family or from the enemy that says, surely God doesn't want you to face this. He doesn't want you to go through this. Be careful. Maybe persecution was to be the norm. Be the norm. Um, how many of you guys have read The Insanity of God by Nick Ripping? Okay, phenomenal, right? Okay, this brother, this is not his real name because um, this, he's probably the foremost um, dude when it comes to knowing what's going on in the persecuted church at large throughout the world. He's been almost in every, I think it's 100 plus countries. He's been all over. Grew up in Kentucky, him and his wife. You know, they didn't know what God had, just simply stepping out in faith. And now he's traveling all over and he gets to hear and talk with brothers and sisters who are being persecuted right now today in the world and it's just blown if you got i think we have a few copies in our bookstore i'd encourage you guys read it it will stir up your faith doesn't it it just builds you up we got to be bold you know um why was i sharing about nick ripkin good book obedience of god i don't know oh yeah but anyways we are going to be persecuted as believers. oh that's the point persecution nick writes about persecution happening in the church everywhere and here in america if we're persecuted it's because you don't have enough faith because if you have enough faith god just wants to bless you and make you rich and healthy all right <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> let god be right true and every man a liar amen so verse 23 let's get back to this why did jesus call peter satan well i'm so glad you guys asked um satan means what what does satan mean Ad deceiver adversary it means adversary so if we take that into here the the original hebrew a lot of a lot of the hebrew texts meant something that would oppose obstruct or uh, accuse new testament uh it became a title so satan in the wilderness used the same approach you guys remember when he came and he tempted jesus not to go to the cross that was the temptation 
I'll give you whatever. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't go to the cross. So literally, get behind me, adversary, or you are a stumbling block to me. So Peter the rock just became Peter the stumbling block. Okay? And we're going to have that in life. Jesus is always a firm foundation for us. Okay? And always weigh whatever counsel, whatever wisdom that you may be hearing from friends, family, this world, you got to bring it back. Jesus, what do you say about this? What does your word say about this? So have you listened to any bad advice from an enemy lately? I mean, let's get real. Have you? I sure have. There are so many voices, guys. So many voices out there. We've got to be so careful. So what was Peter's mistake here? I'm glad you asked. He was thinking like a man. That's all he was doing. He was thinking like a man. We want to escape suffering and death, don't we? That's what we want to do. I don't like going through this. I just want everything to be perfect and comfortable. Or am I the only one that seems to struggle with that? Okay, good. I'm okay with the death part, though. <laughs> but it is crazy. We give a lot of lip service to heaven, don't we? I think it's close to 80% of Americans believe they're going to heaven when they die. I'm going! 68% or something claim to be Christian, I think. But they don't want to die. If we really believe it, why don't we want to die? I want to die. Why? Because in that, I'm finally going to be rid of all this sinful crud I have to struggle with every single day. The causes and effects of the world being in sin and fallen. But best of all, I get to be with Jesus. You know? Man, far. I'll share with that later, some other study. Anyways, self-preservation. That's the problem. That was Peter's mistake. So Peter, um, let me ask one more question real quick. Um, he didn't have what God had in mind. That's why he spoke what he said, okay? He didn't have God's mind in this matter. So have you been mindful of the things of God lately, or are you on a kick of all your own things? Look what I'm into. And it's very easy to find out. If you want to be honest, you can say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm spirit-filled, I'm good, I'm praying, I'm reading the Word every day. Good, okay? If you want to be honest, just check yourself. Open up your bank account online. Where are your monies going? What is your priority? Open up your Facebook. What have you been posting? Pretty simple, right? I don't like you saying that, Pastor, because now I'm thinking about those things. And, oh. Hey, if you're convicted, praise God. I love being convicted. I hope you do too as a believer in Christ. Because let me tell you what, he is worth every, everything that we are willing to give, <laughs> sacrifice for him. He's worthy. Plus it's all his anyways. So Peter had enough faith, right, to confess that Jesus is the son of God, but he did not have enough faith to believe that it was right for Jesus to suffer and die. Wow. So let's look at Jesus' final answer. Deny yourself, right? Look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
Think on that for a second, guys. For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Do you think the church would be seeing revival if we would just take these few words right here seriously? I believe so. Jesus told them of his cross. Now he will tell them of theirs. Deny himself, right? Or denies uh, the self. It is yourself at the center. Or is it Jesus, the center of your life? It's going to be one or the other, guys. See, it's not about you denying stuff or things. It's about you denying you. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's about dethroning yourself and enthroning Christ. Okay? The last time I checked, he's on the throne. And if you think you are, you're wrong. You're missing it. You're blind. You see, it's living a life where Jesus is the heart, the core, the center of your thinking, of your actions. So by far, this is an aspect here for us in our Christian walk I think it's the hardest thing for us as believers. You see, every thought decision we make naturally gets sifted through the self-filter, doesn't it? Doesn't it go there first? Oh, how does this affect me? What do I think about it? Instead of God, this is just what you say. This is what you've declared. I don't have to filter it. I need to trust you. And you've asked me to what? Love others? Just love them? But how is that going to affect me if I love them and sacrifice my time for them in that way? Am I right? Okay. I'm not right. God's right. You see, we are constantly asking ourselves those questions. Is it going to benefit me? What's in it for me? How will it affect me? And we need to crucify self, the flesh, to the cross. So that, though it be alive, it can perform that which it would love to do. And it's about doing it daily. Did you guys catch that part? You can circle that in your Bibles. Daily. So being deliberate, deliberate, willful, okay, intentional in those things, it's really a surrender of one's life daily. Great, I surrender to Jesus. One time to get saved. But what about since then? It's a daily thing. That's the point that Jesus is getting here. So take up his cross. So in the sense, your cross and my cross, they're the same. That is, choose daily to surrender your wills, ways, emotions, and all that we are to our Lord and Savior. So it's us choosing today or tomorrow to follow him wherever he requires us to be. So, that's not always painful, and that's not always the worst thing that can happen to us. That becomes, this will become a way of life. And again, not denying the self of things, but putting Jesus at the heart and core and center of all our decisions and walking in that every single day, that's what it is to take to the cross or take it to the cross. 
So this word, or when he says, follow me, okay, it's in the present tense. So what does that mean? Keep following me. That's what Jesus is asking. Keep following me. Some of you guys may be here this morning just going through the motions. Well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. And you're not following him like you once did. I believe God would say to you this morning exactly what he said here. You've got to keep following me. This is what I'm asking you to do. You see, after you confess him properly, chapter 16, verse 16, you must come after him intentionally. Okay? Intentionally. Great! You heard the gospel. You received it by faith. You're now born again. Do you intentionally seek God? You should be if you're truly born again. You're a new creation. God has put your spirit within you. And your spirit should be yearning, (laughs) should be longing for more of him. So deny the old self, choosing daily the Father's will, taking up your cross, doesn't only speak to suffering, okay, the suffering on it, but also doing the Father's will and keeping close to Jesus, right? Follow me, be with me, and you will find your true self, okay? And I believe that is so true for us as believers. Our identity in Christ, the more we follow, the more we learn of him, the more we're going to get who we are. Look at verse 25 again. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So finding it, finding what? Finding life. Didn't Jesus come to give life and life abundantly? John 10, 10. Have you guys read that lately? Do you remember that? That's why he came. So um, there's a major difference between existing and living. Okay? Existing and living. Total differences. To exist is simply to have lungs. Or lungs, yeah, you have to have lungs, but you have to have breath in the lungs, right? And you got to have blood going through the heart pumping. Okay, you can exist just on that. There you are, existing, breathing, beating heart. Good for you. But to live, guys, to live in a world where everything is worthwhile, where there is peace for the soul, and joy in the heart, and there's a thrill in every moment. Okay, if we meet life with a constant search for safety or security, ease, comfortable, right? If every decision is taken from worldly advice, wisdom, okay, uh, prudential motives, whatever it is, we are losing all that makes life worthwhile. So who are you? And why in the world are you here? And where are you going? Those are some pretty important questions for you and I. Life is going somewhere. Do you know where? I hope so. You see, you're either dying to yourself or you're living for yourself. It's one or the other. In closing, I want to consider with you guys um, just what I've been able to see in my lifetime. Um, Well, not completely. First of all, let's look to the world's wisdom real quick. Believe in yourself, even when no one else will. Sasquatch said that. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, But I just want to consider with you guys, anyone else ever get post-it notes this big? No? I, I, I had to. It says on here, big notes, super sticky for your big ideas. I want to close our time together this morning with a few big ideas for us all. 
Um, <clears throat> how many of you guys agree with Satch Squatch? Show hands, please. A few guys, okay. Believe in yourself. I mean, isn't that the motto of today? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's just saw Serena Williams put out a new Nike commercial. How many of you guys caught that? Women being empowered, going for it. I think that's great, right? It's all about you. You can do it. All about yourself. It is in our culture. It's what I grew up with. But there was a guy by the name of Socrates. How many of you guys have heard of Socrates before? Okay, 450 years before Jesus came on the scene. Philosopher. And you guys know what he said? The only thing, all of his philosophy. He said it can all be summed up into two words. And those two words are know yourself. That's what it's all about. Know yourself. So I'm like, okay, if this is one of the best minds that our world has ever known and, and he's deep and we should consider what he has to say, let's think about that for a second. So I started thinking about that. Well, how do, how, how do we live that out, knowing ourselves? Well, I was, began to think my mom and dad got to grow up in a generation where it's all about finding yourself. You just need to find your... You guys ever hear of hippies? Anybody you guys know what hippies are? Uh, let's figure it out we got to find ourselves because mom and dad, we don't like the way you're doing it. So the 60s was really big on finding yourself, right? Just find yourself. Um, I think about um, that generation. Uh, they didn't like what they found. <laughs> okay, <laughs> to be honest with you guys, they did some crazy stuff, smoked some crazy stuff, and they didn't like what they found. So the next generation, okay, they said, well, we need to, this would be like the 70s. This is when I was born and started growing up. But hey, our parents, this generation before us, you know, they found themselves, they didn't like it. So now we got to change ourselves. That is going to be the key. If we just change ourselves, everything will be good. That's the key. And a lot of things came out. Jane Fonda, was that her back in the day? That became really big, right? I don't like the way I look. I'll start exercising. And that became a fad. I heard that you couldn't even get into gyms in that day and age because it was so big. Everybody was trying to change themselves. They're coming out of this find yourself thing that didn't work. So it's all about changing yourselves. Even those guys, the Beatles, that's who they were. They were still popular. And we had Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Is that his name? Those guys, they would go over to the East and they would try to get into their transmentalisms, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to change myself. It's all about my, my inner self here. I need to connect. Okay? You guys know you can be your own God if you stare at your belly button long enough. <laughs> Anyways. Are you guys tracking with me? Or am I this is what I've seen in my lifetime growing up. And then along came the 80s. And the 80s was all about pamper yourself. Because you know what? Working out sucks and we can't change ourselves. So let's just spoil ourselves. Let's just enjoy the best we can in this life. So we're going to pamper ourselves. And I knew it was real. I mean, they, that's the 80s. It was nuts, the amount of stuff that was coming out. I don't know about you guys. Some of you guys are my same age. It seemed like everybody was buying cabins. They had their toys to play with. They're buying boats and jet skis, all the extra 
things in life, and it was these yuppies mentality. Um, you know, whoever has the most toys wins. Uh, there was a guy back then in the 80s that was really popular, um, Trump something. Um, and he was very popular. He actually owned the New Jersey something. There was a football league he owned. There were Trump Towers. There was Trump Airlines. Everything, like everybody wanted to be like this Trump dude because, hey, that's what it's about. Live the high life. Enjoy yourself. Whoever has the most toys in the end wins, right? And then this Trump guy got on Larry King and he said, I'm not happy with my life. But you're Trump. You should be the happiest man among us. You have it all. Well, that ain't going to work, I guess. Pampering ourselves. I guess that's not the answer. So what I've seen, and this makes me Makes me sick, but we're living in a virtual age, guys, and we have virtualized ourselves big time. Um, I've never played it. How many of you guys have ever seen the game uh, Sims? It's a virtual reality. You build your own life. You can build your spouse, your kids, your family, your career, um, go on dates. Um, millions of people are still playing this. This was years ago. I don't even know the amount of other things that are out there where you can have a virtual life that's not actually in reality at all. And people are living in this. People spend more time sitting in front of a computer playing these games, having another life than they do with their own spouse and kids. This is going on. The Sims today, there's over 10 million daily that are on playing over eight hours a day. 10 million of them. Million, millions more of, you know, play that and do that. But, you know, it's, it's crazy. This computer, chat. You guys remember MySpace? That became popular. A lot of you guys are like, what's MySpace? It's what Facebook used to be, okay? But it's like half the world now has Facebook, and we live in this reality. Everybody... Look at my great life. You know, I would love it if we all just would put up a picture of what it's really like. <sighs> this is me in the morning. <laughs> but we don't live in that way. Okay? We're living in this false reality. We look at everybody else's realities that they're putting out there on the web, and we think that's it. That's what it's all about. Um, I could say a lot more about that, but I think you guys see the effect of it. Why is depression flying the way it is? I think it's social media, to be honest with you guys. It's people not able to deal with reality. We walk around, you know, it saddens me. I go out to a restaurant, half the people are on their cell phone while they're sitting down to dinner with their families. Half the room. Check it out the next time you go out to eat. Half the people will be there worrying about what their life is doing on their phone. Um, anyways, you guys know I like Jesus, right? What did Jesus say? Deny self, right? Deny yourself. Do you guys think he had it? Because I don't know. Look it with me. Knowing yourself, that's, that's what it's all about. We didn't like what we found. Just find yourself. Well, we don't like what we found. So we'll change yourself. This is just in my short lifetime, guys. This is what I've seen. 
We keep trying and trying and trying. Change yourself. If you just do this and do this and do this and do this, then it's going to be good. If you just pamper yourself because it's all about me, I worked all week. This is what I want to do tonight. This is what I want to do this weekend. That's a sack. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to pamper myself. And then this virtual self that's out there. And then Jesus comes along and he says, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Now, I'm going to believe what Jesus has to say. And he's not just talking about deny yourself of donuts or, you know, dating or whatever. It's not, you know, look at what I'm not doing. That's not what Jesus was saying at all here. What he's saying is when you deny yourself, it's no longer about you. That's what he's saying. You still get to live life and live life to the fullest, but it's not going to be about you. God has wired us. He's designed us in a certain way. We've been created for his glory. And when we're living for him, you're going to see things radically change in your life. You're actually going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find fulfillment. And it's a bummer because we so focus on ourselves. We're always about me whatever, self-whatever self, analysis, things that are going on. Uh, I read a lot of books. A lot of them is you just got to figure out who you are and you can take all these crazy tests to find which box you fall into and then how you can relate to other people and relate with yourself. And if you just figure that out, then you can start living your best life. But really what Jesus is saying when he's saying deny yourself, it's serve others. That's what he's saying. It's serving others. It's not about yourself, Okay. God himself. It's not to know yourself. It's not about you, okay? It's not going and finding yourself because what you're going to find is that you're a sinner, okay? <laughs> that this life is short and there's a big problem and where your head is not a good place to be. And you can't change yourself, okay? I don't know. Self-help books. Do you guys know those are the best-selling books that are out there? Go on Amazon. Look what are the best top 10 I bet you almost every single one of them is going to be something about self-help, making you better. We see that even in the church today. So much is geared into us. Rather than why are we here? We're here because of God. We're here for God. We're here for his glory. Some of you guys might not be liking this this morning. You might not come back to church. Lucky you. There's a ton of churches out there that would love to have you. Why? Because we're missing the point, guys that it's about his glory. Um, yeah. Let me just close with these few thoughts. Anyways, you guys get the point this morning? These things don't work. Pampering ourselves doesn't work. Okay? One of my best friends growing up, kid had money to do nothing. Okay? I worked with him at Shakey's. We bust our butts. We close every night. We're in high school. We're working until 11, 11.30 at night every night. Stuff. He had no money. His parents had a massive house. Nice cars to drive. He never got to do vacations. Never got to do any family events because he never had any money to do anything because it was all about having the biggest and the best of the stuff. You know? And then the virtual, or virtualize yourself, that's definitely not working. I don't know if you guys, you can read the statistics, things that are coming out, studies. Uh, Social media is really messing with us. But the point is, we need to deny ourselves, okay? This is what Jesus is getting at. So forget yourself. Bottom line, your life is about Jesus. That's why you're here, okay? I hope you came here this morning because of him. 
That's why here, does he love you? Absolutely. <laughs> Can you find life in denying yourself? Well, didn't we just read that? Whoever lose their life, they will find their life. And for you guys who have given yourself to Christ in serving him, your life completely, you've seen that. I've had people look into my life, Landon, why do you get to do all that stuff? I don't know, I follow Jesus. <laughs> it's not even that exciting. I mean, it's cool, you know, but he's the coolest. He's the treasure. He's the prize. He's what you need. Okay, so he says, deny yourself. And you see, he also said, take up your cross. And I think this is really important, guys. And as, as we follow him, we follow what he did. He picked up the cross, didn't he? Okay, and we're to follow in his example, in his footsteps, in the same way. And some of you guys be like, pastor, you don't know the cross that I'm bearing right now. If you knew what my spouse was saying, in doing all we do is fight pastor i got cancer i don't know if i can bear this cross guys we're going to go through things that's part of life there's going to be trials there's going to be stuff and i don't think jesus is saying that's your cross to bear god i've been struggling with depression for five years is it ever going to end this pinched nerve will not go away this cross is too heavy it's crushing me can't do it, Jesus. Can't follow you anymore. That's not the cross he's asked us to bear, guys. He says that our lives, we take up our cross. I've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me because he loved me, guys. We live for him. And in doing that, what are we doing? We do what he says. Love me, love others. It's about others. That's taking up your cross, it's loving others. And we can't love others when it's all about ourselves, can we? We can't do that. Well, it's about me. That doesn't fit into my schedule. It doesn't fit into my time. Okay, That's going to be a sacrifice. That might hurt me here if I do that for them. But that's what God's asking us to do. We want to see a good world. We want to see people blessed, happy, what if we just got over ourselves and started loving each other? You think that would happen? Hmm, you think God maybe knows what he's talking about? Go figure. So that's really the reality of taking up your cross, guys. I don't want to belittle yeah, anything that we go through because we are going to go through things. If you struggle with depression, it's draining. You are tapped. You will be crazily exhausted all the time but is that an excuse to stop serving others no it doesn't matter what we're going through okay i've seen some neat saints go through cancer and end up taking their lives but man did they finish well it wasn't about them dying of cancer they redeemed that little bit of time they had left for the glory of God and they shined for Jesus and others came to know the Lord as a result of it. And shame on us that it has to get to that point to live in such a reality in which we should be living. And just to wrap this up, follow me. And I think that's the key, guys, is following him. If we deny ourselves, take up our cross, okay, deny ourselves, it's not about us, it's about God, Okay, it's about him first. Actually, let me throw this down. You guys ever heard this before? The key to life, to joy. How many of you guys want joy in life? I sure do. Am I the only one? 
Oh boy. <laughs> Joy. You guys ever heard this before? Jesus, others, then yourself. And I actually see that right here in this passage of Scripture. If you deny yourself, okay, Jesus is number one. <laughs> He's it. I've been created for him, for his glory, right? And secondly, if I'm taking on my cross, it's going to be about others. Did Jesus go to the cross for himself? No. He went to the cross for who? For others, <laughs> okay? That's, that's the example. That's how we follow in his footsteps, guys, is taking up our cross. We sacrifice for others. And then yourself. God does care about us. And we will find who we truly are when we follow him. I, I don't think I'm the only one that would testify to this, but the closer I get to Jesus, the more I know myself. The more I find myself. I know who I am, my identity. The more I follow him, the closer I am to him, the more that makes sense. The more I understand that I'm loved and valued and cared for by the creator of all things. There's nothing like that, guys. It's the most beautiful thing that we can experience. That's where we find true joy. Wow! God, you are so good. And when we put him first, it's easy to grasp that truth. And because you're so good, guess what? I want others to partake. Because this is great for me, but it's not about me. It's about you and you're awesome and others need to know you're awesome. And in doing that, guess what, guys? We find joy. We find blessing. The highest high I've ever had in life, and I've had it several times, is leading someone else to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, I love seeing people finally humble themselves and cry out to Jesus. There's nothing like it. It's just like you have come into relationship with the living God. You've been set free from death. You are now in light. You're done with the darkness. You can finally see. This is beautiful. And it's also a wonderful thing as a body of believers to stir each other up. Keep going. Keep looking to Jesus. I love you. I'm here for you. Let's serve together. Let's be about others. And I hope you guys see that. That Freedom Fellowship isn't about any certain person. It's about Jesus first. It's about others. And guess what? We just get to benefit from it. Didn't uh, God say somewhere, blessed are those who give? Right? That's the way he's made us. We are designed to be givers. God gives. We follow his example. And that's what we're to do. Give of yourself. Love yourself. Well, how does that look, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I don't know. I'm not you. I don't have your spouse. I don't have your mom and dad. I don't have your in-laws. I don't have your kids. I don't have your job. It looks different for each one of us. What you need to do is ask the Lord. How does that look? In my relationship personally with you, what do I need to change? What do I need to do so I can be closer to you? How does that look? And make those changes. Because we can talk about this. I think some of us are seeing, yeah, this is making sense. God is right. This would be good to do. But until we actually change and do something, it ain't going to happen. So pray. Ask him. Get alone with him. Really seek him. How does this look? 
And then ask, how does it look to serve others? And you might be thinking, well, maybe a mini missions trip. Jump on a plane, fly overseas. Those people need love. They need the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus. I can do, or maybe it's going down to the pantry because I don't have money to get on that plane and fly over there to tell those people about Jesus. But I keep hearing there's people that come into the pantry every week that need to be loved on. I can go serve down there. God might say, no, you're not to go do those things. Don't go to the pantry. You need to love your husband. You need to repent to your wife and ask for forgiveness. Get right with her. You've been provoking your kid. You've been putting yourself above them. You've been on that computer too much. You're not even present in your home. That's what you need to do first. And it's going to look different for each one of us, guys. I have no idea. I'm not you. But that's where you need to get with God. How does that look? How can I do this, Lord? I want to deny myself. I want to pick up my cross and I want to follow you. How does that look? And it can be that simple of a prayer, guys. It can be that simple. I don't know, God. I don't know. Show me. Just please show me how that looks. What does that mean for me? Ultimately, for you. For your glory. Because isn't he the one that's worthy of this? He is. Unless you want to be your own king and continue to try to take the throne for yourself. And let me tell you what, any throne that you are on, I don't want no part of that world. The problems we see in this world is because people think their throne is all that matters. What they think is all that matters. There's only one throne that matters, guys. Read the book of Revelation on the end. It's all about the one whom sits upon it. It's Jesus Christ. And that doesn't start when we leave this life and go into the next. Eternal life begins the second you were born again. That's when things change. And that's why we've got to stay close to him, follow him closely, because that brings perspective. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. I know that was a little extended, but I hope you guys get the big picture. Don't follow Trump. Don't follow the yuppies, the hippies. Don't follow Jane Fonda. Don't follow Kurt Cobain, Smashing Pumpkins. I did that when I was younger. There's only one that's worth following. And he deserves it because he's worthy of it. Amen? Amen. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We've been really enjoying just the teaching uh, in this last few chapters and the couple more we have. Uh, You just, you say it how it is because we know that you know best. You're absolutely father much much wiser than any of us and because you are our father you're a good dad you're a perfect dad and you love us lord no matter what we go through no matter what we're facing that never changes god but what we choose to do in those things father we need to be close to you (laughs) to remember father how we are loved and who we are as your kids So I would simply ask that this morning for my brothers and sisters here, myself, no matter what we're going through, that we would stay close to you. God, that our eyes would be fixed upon you, Jesus. And as we look to you, that we would see you pointing. 
to those that you would have us go love on. Maybe it's loving our neighbor across the street. Maybe it is loving our spouse, forgiving them, moving towards them. Or maybe it's a relationship that we've been estranged from. It doesn't matter, Lord. We just want to know what you would be asking of us, who we are to be loving on. So we just pray for that wisdom and clarity in our lives. Thank you so much for the sacrifice you made for us that our sins could be forgiven. God, thank you so much that that was a joy for you to make that sacrifice. You knew what was before that, Lord. And what a joy it would be for us to see loved ones, neighbors, just all come to a saving knowledge of who you are, that they would be granted the gift of eternal life too. So please, do your work. Have your way. Let your will be done. I'm asking your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.